When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on today's episode, some beauty trivia, another jet signs a short-term deal, plus one do-over. What would you do in Jets 2.0 history? Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it here after a bit more of a lengthy time off, but excited to get back into it. Talk a little bit of puck as July starts to wind down. And once we get into August, things will start to ramp up a little bit in terms of, you know, officially, I think, turning the page from the offseason. And then we'll, you know, start to peak a little bit towards the 2023-24 season. So excited to get that underway uh, took uh, Friday's episode off. We will do the same this week. So this will be the lone episode of the week for us. But excited to get into it and to help me do so once again on Skates and Plates, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki, or should I say Jets at Noon host Tyson Rewicki. How are we doing today, Tyson? Good. Just temporary. Just temporary for now. But yeah, well, it's it's been a, it's been a good start to the week. You temporarily just... kicked Cam to the curb, and you're the new host. Hey, it's it's, it's kind of like Wally Pitt, man. Like once you get the mic, you just you gotta <laughs> rip it out of my dead hands, right? So, <laughs> just kidding. Oh yeah, like, kind of kidding, a little bit kidding. Uh, but for for those that um, yeah, maybe don't listen to CJOB all that much. Uh, Tice is doing uh, some hosting. I don't I don't let him do hosting here all the time, but CJOB is like, yeah, he's ready for the big time, but. I know, I know the potential taste it has, so I don't want him taking over the show just yet. Um, <laughs> but you'll be doing Jets at noon uh, up until Thursday? Yes, Thursday, and then I'll be off Friday. The Ross Leventon will take over. I'll be behind the board for Friday, and then back on Monday for the one day. Very and nice. So yeah, we got five more, five more shows to, to, to get through. Dog days of summer. That, and I was was that year. I think you came up with this. The flow that knows is that the the handle for Jim Toth now. Yeah, that's back on the show. That's pretty clever. I gotta. I, I'm used to calling him Big Rig. I mean, flow that knows is a little bit better. Um, <laughs> but that's funny. Yeah, I mean, that's fun. And then glad to see JT's back, and you're having some fun there. I like the whole. He's never gonna get rid of a Rewiki. There's always gonna be someone that steps up. So. <laughs> Uh, if you haven't checked out yet, um, either by podcast or live, make sure to check out uh, Tyson uh, on Jets at Noon on CJOB throughout the week. Uh, now, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. We, we'll, we'll talk about the Velarde signing, which took place a little bit after our last episode. It's, it's kind of old news, but we'll, we'll, we'll touch into it because there's not a whole lot to talk about anyways. Uh, but before we do that, we always like to start off with a little bit of trivia um pug doku has taken the hockey world by storm 
We're not going to quite do a Puck Doku here. Um, but for those that maybe don't and, and are uninitiated when it comes to the new greatest game of all time, um, one of the, the stats or the categories today was 1,000 games played. By the way, my Puck Doku score was, was three. So I had to, you know, just, just say as far as uniqueness <laughs> goes, it was up there. Uh, but one of them was 1,000 games played. And it kind of got me thinking because the Jets were one of the teams listed there about a Winnipeg Jets version of a thousand games played. So I, I've only got two questions for you here, Tyson. We'll make it short and sweet. But these are Jets themed 1000 NHL games played questions. All right. All right. Now there, I mean, I guess just first off, we'll, we'll, we'll do three. We usually do three. But just the first one quickly. How many Jets do you think? have played a thousand games in the NHL and at least one of those games has been with the Winnipeg Jets. And when I say Winnipeg, by the way, no Atlanta Thrashers crap. You had to play a game in the city of Winnipeg wearing Jets colors 1.0, 2.0. But how many, how many NHLers do you think have reached a thousand games and did so as a part of the Winnipeg Jets in at least one of those? I'm going to say... five wow i mean i wouldn't have guessed the number but i was a lot higher than you 27 wow yeah 27 nhlers all time there's been 382 and 27 of those have done so uh in part playing with the winnipeg jets now there have been of those 27 six that have played for the 2.0 Winnipeg Jets. Can you name those six? One of them just happened this season. Blake Wheeler. Yes. I guess two happened this season maybe then. Sam Gagne. That's two. And like they didn't have to play their thousandth game as a Jet, no, right? No, no. They they no, that correct, yes. Um Oli Jokinen. Oh, I didn't know if you'd remember. Good job. Um, uh, did Mark Stewart play? Oh, no, Stewie didn't get it done. I don't know how many he played. Uh, but the other ones that you missed there, Paul Stasny. Oh, that's an easy one. Andrew Ladd squeaked it in. Yeah. Um, I think his last season in Arizona. Uh, but the beauty that I think everybody would kind of forget until I mention it, but HRR Ron himself, Ron Hainsey, got to a thousand oh. games. And of course, he Ron. was a massive part of the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, um, Ron. He, he was underrated, honestly. Yeah, he, he was actually a pretty underrated. He just, you know, it's, it's funny because he played really good everywhere except Winnipeg. Like, he, he there was just... Uh, Something about his last season with the Jets, he spent 90% of his time on ice, like literally on the ice. He was on his stomach for <laughs> night. It was, I, and then he went to Pittsburgh. It was like one of their best defensemen in back to back cup runs. Um, final question here, Tyson. I'm intrigued to see if you pull this one out. Of the 27 who have played a thousand games and have done so in part with the Winnipeg Jets, which of those players has played the most NHL games? In total, so not just with Winnipeg, but who's played with the Winnipeg Jets, reached a thousand plus games, but was able to play the most games in the NHL. 
It's I I'm gonna guess it's either between Ron Hainsey or Oli Okunin. No, 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 not no, no, not two oh. not two point No, okay. Any like yeah, this is yeah. Just ignore two point here. But any like the most games in NHL history that they've played, um, which of the twenty seven have played the most, but did so at least in part with Winnipeg. Man, Carlisle. <laughs> no, that's I mean Carlisle is one of them, but no, he wasn't wasn't all that close, unfortunately. Man, I don't know. I'm stumped. Didn't play for long, but Shane Doan. Oh wow. Shane Shane Doan's played the 17th most games in NHL history. That's crazy. Yeah. Just yeah, they, was... you just never heard, I guess. Like apparently. He just says that Arizona Sun, man. He's just the fountain of youth down there. <laughs> uh, it was Doan, Housley, Phil Housley. Yeah, yeah. Um, then Timo probably would have been my guess. And then uh, just behind Timu was Teppo Newmanin, one of the most underrated defensemen in NHL history. Um, by the way, any Puck Doku fans out there, if you're looking for some sneaky Jets picks, Ty Domi actually played a 1,000 games. Um Freddie Olison, but a personal fave of mine. Well, I, I got Stu Barnes the other day, but Stu Barnes and Dallas Drake would be some pretty deep pulls there <laughs> that reached a thousand games. So if you want, you can. I'm not going to read the rest of the 27 there, but some beauty names for sure. And you, you did yourself pretty good, Tice. Not too bad. Well, I'll, I'll take it. It's not my proudest uh, achievement, but we'll take it. Yeah, I would hope not. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to uh, some Jets news. Gabe Velarde. No big surprise here. But the uh, number and the announcement made official by the Winnipeg Jets a little under a week ago. Uh, but he signs a two-year contract, RFA, two-year contract with the Jets, $6.875 million, which is 3.4-ish per season. Two more years of RFA control for the Winnipeg Jets once that comes to an end. Initial thoughts, Tyson, on the deal. I think that's kind of what I, I expected. I mean, like with the with the cap not going up a whole bunch, a lot of players are going to know that they can cash in in a couple of years once that cap does inevitably rise. And if you're Gabe Velarde, you haven't had you've had decent chances with the Canes, but you haven't really had that solidified top six role for an extended period of time. And I think Gabe Velarde sees that he's going to be relied upon pretty heavily these next two years with Winnipeg. He's going to be played in the top six regard for pretty much his whole tenure here, right? Like that's, you're hoping that he's able to replicate at least a lot of what Pierre-Luc Dubois did production-wise. I think he's going to be a, bit, a little bit better defensively. And obviously we, I would pray to God that he's more disciplined than Pierre-Luc Dubois. Oh, yeah. I don't think we, I, there's not a lot of for sure's with Velarde. I think one of them is going to be that he won't have as many PIMS as, as PLD did. <laughs> Let me ask but you this, Tyson. Let me just, sorry to cut you off there, but I, I think we would all agree that the two-year deal, I mean, one, every RFA right now in the NHL is signing a two-year deal. Um, but obviously, in terms of making money, like that's, everything you're saying is true. He's going to get more chance, more ice time, more points, likely all that stuff, big payday down the road. So then it's on the team in that situation to sweeten the pot to a point where you would accept the long-term security of a five, six, seven-year contract. 
if you were Gabe Velarde Tyson and Chevy said six years, six million per season, would you oh, yeah. would that be something as 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 the player you would take? Uh, yeah, I would. Really? You're doubling, okay, okay. You're doubling your salary, and we've mentioned before Gabe Velarde has an injury history. He could he could I mean God forbid this happens, but there could be over these next two years something bad could happen. And he's known for having these back problems. If it's something that creeps in again and all of a sudden you don't have that stability, I think that's definitely something that should have been in the in the back of his mind, just wanting that long-term security in case something like that happens. But I mean, so then if, if, you were, if you were the if you were the Jets, would you have offered him that? I probably would probably offer five, like five five years five or mil. five mil per season. Five mil per season over like five six years. So basically, what you're saying is you would have offered him a two year deal <laughs> because he's not going to take six by five. Yeah, it's. It, but, I mean, yeah, pretty much yeah. right. Like that's that that's the problem with these, and there's so much incentive. Like we even saw K. Andre Miller, who as a defenseman had over forty points this year playing a pretty solid role for the Rangers and he got two years, what, four point two, I believe, or Yeah, you you would have thought that he'd be a guy that cashed in. Yeah, totally. But they got that that there's gonna be a huge rise. And if you're playing with a guy like Nick Ehlers or Kyle Connor on the other side of your waiting, he's probably gonna put up some decent numbers. Or you would hope so at least. Like like he's scoring twenty goals last season. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to score 20 goals this season playing with one of those two guys. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I look, I totally get why he did it, why the Jets did the two year. It's it's the easiest solution in all of this. I mean, there's no real risk, I think, for the Winnipeg Jets at all here. Like, I'm not gonna say it's a bad deal or anything like that. Because look, if if you gotta pay him big in two years' time, then team's probably in a pretty good state. And yeah. you don't have a problem giving him maybe a little bit of a raise there, but I, I, I just I thought I'd throw it out there because you know I, I wondered what the what the number would have to be for a, for a twenty four year old to kind of think uh, the cap is going up, but thirty six million guaranteed is pretty juicy. Like the, you know I and I I, I wondered I, I I wonder if the Jets thought about going extremely long term if it was just you know, like that that kind of stuff fascinates me. Um, and I, I wonder if the agent at that point would have turned it down, if the player would have jumped all over that and said something. Because, I mean, six by six to me, that that kind of seemed fair, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. I think from both sides, like the Jets are giving him security. Velarde's probably, if he plays up to his potential, is probably leaving a little bit of money in the latter half of that contract. So... Would have been interesting to see, or I guess find out, if a long-term deal was ever discussed between the two sides here. But um, I'm not going to fault management whatsoever in this situation because, like I said earlier, every RFA is doing this. Is it is it right? Is it smart? I don't know. Doesn't matter because every agent's clearly telling their client do this in two years, and there's going to be a little bit more pie for everybody to dig, to dig into. Um, but I yeah, the the, the long-term thing. That usually favors teams more so than the players. Just yeah, I was I was curious to see what what that number might be and 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 just how how plausible that might have been for the Jets. Well, and the Jets have shown a tendency to lock up their young guys to 
longer term contracts at a higher rate than expected. And it wasn't too long ago, Brandon, that people were saying that that Morrissey contract was going to be one of the worst in the league. It really was. Like, it, went, it went from this is going to be a bargain to this is an anchor to this is one of the best in the league all over again. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of the flip-flopping that could happen. I mean, we even saw with Hampus Lindholm too, right? Like it was He was another guy who was washed up. He was done. All of a sudden, he gets out of hellhole Anaheim and he blossoms into a Norris candidate in a year. Like yeah, it's yeah, just, no, he's he's good at hockey now. Yeah, yeah. Like it's when you when you see the talents there, it is easier to make that commitment. And especially when you're a team like Winnipeg, that these those are the moves you have to make. You have to lock in your guys to contracts that don't force the guys to be here. You know what I mean? Like it's. I'm sure that Morrissey's grown very, very, very fond of the city, but it's just having that security where it's not the guy that doesn't have the opportunity to see greener pastures, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you are kind of forcing them to stay, which is fine if you're Winnipeg. Like, it's what you got to do. You know, I, I wonder if the the uh, Velarde's agent was like, hey, man, Shifley, Morrissey, Ehlers, Connor, Hellebuck, Left money in the <laughs> left a lot of money at the door. Like maybe we don't want to go six years just yet. Like let's yeah. try to get a little more pedigree and a little more games and all that under our belts before we go back to to round two of negotiations with them in a couple of years. I yeah, I, I I do get that, but like that's that's the the dance you got to make, right? Like I mean, the Jets won surprisingly on all of those deals in like massive ways. And that I, I wonder if it's just a changing landscape too, not only with the cap going up, but just with players maybe being a little more cognizant of the fact that, you know, we sign shorter deals, we have more control over where we play, and all likelihood you're gonna make more money at the end of your career as well. And I, I wonder if the the long term deal to an extent is maybe becoming a little bit extinct. That we'll only see like the the true true superstars, you know the the one percent of the NHL get those big seven eight year deals. Um, I don't know. We'll 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 see. I mean, Austin Matthews might might set a new precedent with his upcoming <laughs> extension with the Maple Leafs, right? But I, I do I do wonder a little bit. Like we're seeing just slowly, you know, with Kachuk the previous year, some of these guys starting to exert a little more player control. I wonder if, you know, slowly but surely we start to see, uh, you know, we're not going to go for seven, eight-year deals all the time because four or five is still pretty long and can cash in one or two more times and I can maybe force my way somewhere else if need be. And we always talk about the NHL as a league not really following the way that leagues like the NBA are going. But this, the agents, they're... Uh, not to say a lot smarter than a lot of the people that work in the NHL front offices. Like some, whatever, whoever's running the league right now isn't following the blueprint that the NBA has laid out. But you're seeing, I mean, not to the extent of guys like James Harden or Dame Lillard, but even to Chuck last year, he would have been up there in that in that upper echelon of players asking out. I mean, now you're seeing guys like Mark Shifley, Connor Hellebuck, Elias Lindholm. Guys are taking the short term deals to kind of get. A little bit, maybe not taking as much, but going to a better situation and then being able to cash out on top of that contract. It's 
I now it's it's becoming a player driven league in a lot of the sports, and I think the NHL players are adapting quicker to these sort of negotiations more so than the actual teams are. And I think that as the seasons go on, as the cap goes up, we're going to be seeing a lot more interesting off seasons as we get going. I think there's going to be more overhaul. And especially these next couple of years, there's some really big names that are slated to hit the free agent market. We will find out some, some interesting times, hopefully coming up in the next little bit. I mean, around the hockey world, but still with the Winnipeg Jets and some of their deals. Now, you, before we just shift gears to our last topic, Tyson, you, you mentioned something about Cole Perfetti when we were talking about the Velarde deal. Was was there something about Perfetti that you know piqued your interest with this? Well, I think that this could be one of the big battles in training camp. And it's honestly the one I'm most looking forward to is seeing who really solidifies that number two center spot. I, I, a lot of the mocks have Vlad Nemesnikov filling that role, but, and I love, I love him as a player. He's not a number two center on a playoff team. So like you, it's not even close. That's not the yeah, center depth no, that you no, had no. last year. And, I think this is a big part of what the Jets want to do is give Colper Fetty a little bit extra responsibilities. But even I don't even think you'll have to give him a crazy amount of added pressure because when you're at home, Mark Scheifele's line is going to be getting the brunt of the of the other team's kind of shutdown line. And then you have Adam Lowry's line. When you're at home, you're going to be trying to match them up against the other team's top line. And when you're on the road, for the most part, he's probably going to be getting second-line matchups, and that just leaves the Cole Perfetti line, per, per se, whoever that's with. I think Gabe Velarde and Cole Perfetti should be, not should be, but I think that's a duo that's going to likely get the first crack at that second-line opportunity. And I, I think you got to see what you have with Cole Perfetti. If he can take that next step, a lot of your problems with this team suddenly start to the, the the pieces start to fall into place a little bit better so i think that's one of the most important parts for this upcoming season is seeing how cole perfetti does in that number two center role quote quote unquote number two center or if you want to get really spicy tyson maybe you kick mark shafley out to the wing <laughs> and you roll with the velarde perfetti one two comp I, I don't know i don't know I have a lot more, and not a slight on Perfetti, I have a lot more faith at Velarde being a guy down the middle than I do Cole Perfetti. I mean, I, I guess if you get one of those guys to be a full-time centerman, then at least you got one of those positions solved for the long term. I, I, yeah, I would certainly lean towards Velarde, but that's a great point in terms of a training camp battle. You know, at least who is tabbed as that guy right off the bat, and then maybe... Uh, if if they if it's maybe a split, right? You switch them out one game here, one game there. I I, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see. But I I, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed. Shifley out there on the wing. I mean, he showed last year with that switch with Dubois down the middle, him kicking out to the outside. He's still able to give you some 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 pretty good minutes out there. Um, but it would be nice. I don't know. It would just be nice to have. I mean, I I would be intrigued to see how Perfetti would do defensively. But, you know, Velarde is obviously a very, very, very stellar guy in his own end. Potentially have like three, maybe even four guys that are just solid defensively down the middle for the Jets. First time in 2.0 history. It'd be, it would just be kind of neat, a bit of a, you know, a breath of fresh air to have that down the middle. And then you have a ton of scoring out there on the wing as well. So we'll see. Not expecting that to happen, but you never know. Might, might not be a bad time to uh, test that one out there.
Um, but I do, I do digress. We'll move on here. One last thing to get to. Sorry, I kind of froze there because I could hear my idiot dog just going nuts at some poor person in our back lane. <laughs> so ball apologies if you're listening to this tomorrow morning person. He means well. Uh, but we'll wrap up the episode here, Tyson, with just a, a fun little what if. We, we, we did that what if um, segments a little bit earlier in the offseason here. And this is uh, based off a very, very good, interesting question from one James B, who sent this into The Athletic a little while back. But curious to get your thoughts on this, Tyson. You can get one do-over on a managerial choice from the 2.0 Winnipeg Jets. All right, so a trade, a signing, even a contract for an RFA, whatever it might be. You'd have one do-over in Jets 2.0 history. What would that be? Does something jump out right off the bat to you? Well, the one move does, but it was also kind of unavoidable. The one that popped into my head was was the Truba deal. And it's more so the looking back now at the value, Billy, you got you got Billy and Neil Pionk, and at the time after after the first season, it looked like a steal of a trade, but now we're here and Jacob Truba is one of the most imposing defensemen in the NHL right now. He's made he's got a he's got a pretty hefty contract, but it's really not for that many more years. Yeah, like he is good. the Truba trade. <laughs> You you better keep your head up when you're on the tracks with when Truba's around because like, I just got elbowed by him in the head. <laughs> you like a Timo Meyer who was just <laughs> whose head was just buried and yeah he was he did the old it was like when Cromwell would hit people and they would just it wasn't a pretty sight but yeah it's you look at it now and it's Billy's gotten almost no value just a depreciated asset that. It's, at this point, you're getting a reclamation project back for, or he's including in a bigger trade that just for just to kind of sweeten the pot a little bit. And then Neil Pionk, he struggled. He struggled to be that to fill that number two, not necessarily a, a number two role, but that number two defenseman who could carry a pair, even if that is the second pair. And the production's not there. And it's just imagine having Morrissey and Truba out there. Right now, it's and, the only, and, the yeah. only thing with that though. Ty, the only thing is, I mean, Truba. The, let's say you could have convinced him to sign here in Winnipeg. That's gonna be seven to eight million, right? Like somewhere in that range. And I'm not like I. I would rather have Truba than Pionk, but just like salary cap wise, would you still want to do that? Yeah. Because then I think you don't make the moves like you probably don't add one of Brendan Dillon or Nate Schmidt, and so uh, you take out Pionk's five million, and even if you go Dillon's three and a half, that's eight and a half million right there, and maybe a guy like Declan Chisholm gets his chance a little bit earlier, and, and then you you roll in with Truba or Morrissey Truba on your top pair, and then it gets a little dicey. But I would roll Brendan or Dylan Sandberg and you know who knows who you get who what what other moves you end up making as a butterfly effect here I, I just 
have the idea of having Morrissey and Truba roaming the ice for 30 minutes for the Jets is just something I wish happened a little bit more. I do I do miss Truba Morrissey together. Like they were it just so sometimes you get those pairings where it's like they're greater than the sum of their parts. And they like they just read off each other. So I think Buff and Toby were the same thing too. Where they they just they just fit. Like you just know where the other person's gonna be, what they're thinking, all that stuff. So that's a sh- yeah, it is a, it is a shame they couldn't find a way to make that work. Um I wonder though, I don't know if that would be one of mine. I don't think that would be my Let's choice. I mean, yeah, no, it wouldn't be mine. I mean, I, I don't know if you have the the power to somehow convince Dustin Bufflin or, you know, do some kind of an ankle transplant to keep him here in Winnipeg for a little <laughs> bit. Um, would the Kevin Hayes trade maybe be one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you, you did get your first round pick back. That, that's and, why, though. Like, it's like, do you do you want to do that because you get your first round pick back anyway? Like, I, I so like that. It wasn't a good trade. I didn't like it at the time because I I just didn't think that Jets team was good enough to to go deep. They were in a tailspin, all that stuff. So maybe the one I would do is maybe it would be the the pick swap with Vegas back at the expansion draft. That's a good one. I think that's the one I would go with. I actually did a whole what if episode based off of the Jets. I think it was just based off the Jets taking Nick Suzuki instead of Christian Veselainen and all the trickle down that happened Ooh. there. Um, but I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know if you get like two choices there, but like if you could guarantee the Jets would have taken Suzuki, which Montreal did there, um, eventually like swapping with Vegas, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. I mean, Nick Suzuki here, and especially because it didn't end with the Jet, right? Like, you know, say it's Sherratt going up with Bufflin on that that second pair. Like, the Jets still lose to Vegas, right? Like, nothing materially changes in that Western Conference run season. You just end up with Nick Suzuki now moving forward, right? <laughs> so I, that 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 might be the one that I would go with there. But there haven't really been too many. Like, it's kind of surprising for a team that's, you know, let's just say 2.0 over 10 years. There haven't really been that many, like, Chuck Fletcher-esque big-time mistakes, right? Yeah. It's kind of bizarre. There's been a couple contracts where it's like, I wish we didn't have these, right? Like, the Nate Schmidt deal right now. It's kind of like, not a bad player, but, like, we also don't really want this 5.8 on our our list right now. It's like, yeah. it's it's nothing, it's nothing team crippling. Yeah, yeah, that maybe that's what it is. Like, it's not, <laughs> again, it's not a Chuck Fletcher type move. <laughs> they're right? all manage, they're all manageable screw ups. They're man, they're, yeah, they're, right, yeah. Like, it's okay. Like, we we made a mistake. It's it's like a tie to go. Instead of having to buy yeah. a whole new wardrobe, you just like, oh, we did a little wine spill here, tie to go. We're good to go. <laughs> it, yeah. uh, and Nick Suzuki too. Owen Sound Attack. It's uh, it seems like the Jets would have gone towards that route, right? They always go for kind of the the guy, the skilled guy who seems to be kind of taking a little bit of a dip in the draft rankings. And Nick Suzuki would have been there, man. That would have been some crazy center depth for a season. The um, or the next USHL player taken after Nick Suzuki was Josh Norris. That would have also worked out well. (laughs) 
I've always been. A, I think he's going to take a big step I, this year. Oh, he, was, he was going to take course. one last year. He just his shoulder fell off. Like it just yeah. yeah, brutal, brutal break there. Um, I mean, there were some good players that the that the Jets missed out on there. Norris, I mean, Robert Thomas with St. Louis, Lilgren, uh, just some of the guys that have been taken, you know, in and around. Neckash went twelfth overall to actually, but that was the draft. Velarde was picked eleventh by L.A. <laughs> So the Jets could have had Velarde, yeah, Velarde and Suzuki. You could have had one, two down the middle from 2017. <laughs> Either way, it didn't happen. Can't fret too much about it now, but thought it'd be an interesting little rabbit hole to dive into to wrap up the episode there. And that is where we will call it quits here. Uh, so we will uh, wrap it up, and that'll be it for the week. Like I said, we will take uh, you know just a one episode a week hiatus. Um, last week in this one, and then to kick off August, we'll get right back at it, back to two episodes a week, Tuesday, Friday. Uh, but until then, that'll be it for us for the rest of this one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki, with us once again. Like I mentioned, we'll get back at it Tuesday morning. Getting ready for Jets training camp, which is uh, creeping right around the corner. So it should be fun to kick off August with that. Until then, though, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe. Have a great time, everybody. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Peace.